Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax and put aside anything else that's going on in the anything you were right in the middle of or you were thinking you need to get to or whatever else you're doing, just let it fall by the wayside, whatever your concerns are or your thoughts. Just remind yourself that God has arranged every moment of your day for your good. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes it's frustrating and we think we, we've missed God or... There are things that we don't understand about what he's doing. And really that's part of the process. Whatever it is you're going through, it's part of the process. Part of his process. We don't often understand everything that he's doing in our lives. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that, but one of them is so we don't interfere. He knows what he's doing in your life and for you and that it will be for your good, but he sees your end. He sees your circumstances. He's created them, and he's preparing you for them. Now, what's important to him isn't always necessarily what's important to us. So when we form questions, when we approach him about things, very often we don't get a clear answer because we're forming the question based on what we think the outcome should be. The more we are experiencing the spirit realm, being one with him, the more we see that his ways, the spirit ways, are not our ways. They're not our natural ways. They're not our soulical ways. Our soul wants to control, and our natural wants things easy. We all have a temperament, and we want our life to accommodate that temperament. And that's a temperament God gave you. There's nothing wrong with it. We don't need to fix it. He's not going to fix it. It's got strengths and weaknesses that God gave. So it's a gift. And it's not a damaged gift. Now, that temperament is part of our soul. And our soul is meant to receive life from spirit and that's the problem because our soul has been so wounded and it has inherited misunderstandings and separation from the source of life spirit just when when adam and eve were driven out of the the garden that started the whole process of a chasm being 
built between soul and spirit. And every generation since then, it's only gotten bigger. It's not between us and God. It's between our soul and our spirit. Now this is for those who've had our the spirit regenerated. And God himself made that possible by, when he sent his son to fill in that chasm between soul and spirit. So for you and I, if we've been born again, if we've been re-spirited, that chasm has been filled in. But the bad habits that have been formed since Adam and Eve are still there. The wounds, the misinterpretation, the misunderstanding, the misbeliefs about who God is, who we are, what our purpose is, those are, we all believe so many things that aren't true. And we're certain of what we believe, regardless of whether they're true or not. We know what we believe. Just, you know, the whole idea of being in the center of God's will. Or pick one of your own, you know, sayings you use to encourage yourself. Is that true? Now, if it's that God loves you, yes, that's true. But is it, oh, I have to, whatever I do has to be to the glory of God. You know, that's something you might want to talk to him about. He doesn't need anything from you. And when we start judging what we're doing in light of our own created standard, we're going to filter what we hear from him. So we will continue bad habits as long as they work. And this is really what God is doing. is He's letting our bad habits fail. He's letting us fail. He's letting us fail for our own good to show us that they're bad habits. Now, our time here on this earth is, relatively speaking, quite short. And sometimes I wonder if whatever comes next, God is so anxious for us to get there because it will finally get some action in uh, the changing of our soul. This is just my own conjecture. But sometimes I wonder if, if he shortened our lifespan so we could get to what comes next sooner than he originally created us for. You know, we have no idea how, Adam, how long Adam and Eve were in the garden. could have been millions of years because they were eating of the tree of life. They had all their needs met. There was no death. There was no decay. They could have been in that garden for millions, billions, trillions, zillions, whatever, years. Death entered them when their soul died. Their, I mean, their spirit died. Their soul didn't die. Their body didn't die. But the spirit was taken from them. And that's when their soul started to die because it was separated. It didn't have access to life. didn't die in the same way as the body, but it started to create its own world. Your soul has created its own world, its own idea of what God is. 
And when we start thinking in terms of what is God's purpose for each one of us as an individual, it's not what he can get out of you. It's not what service you can do for him. No, it's about restoration, a reunion between your soul and your spirit. Now, he's the one restoring your soul. He knows what wounds need to be healed and in what order. He knows what lies need to be replaced with truth and in what order. He knows everything that needs to happen in order for your soul, your mind, will, and your emotions to be restored. He knows that already, and he's working on it. Most of the time, we don't see what he's doing. I think, you know, very often he brings us in at the very end so we can participate in the last stages of freedom or truth, you know, all of a sudden we, we, are, we see something different than we haven't seen before. Or something doesn't bother us anymore. And we go, oh. That's God having restored an aspect of our soul. And we get to participate in recognizing. Because, again, we've talked about that attitude of gratitude, appreciation. It's not that we did something or deserved something. It's because he loves us and we are lovable. He loves us because of who he is and he loves us because of who we are. He created us to be loved. Just as he, he separated his son from himself, and honestly, we don't know how that worked, But he also separated us in the same kind of way from being fully consumed and subsumed and indistinguishable from him. We now are distinguishable from him. There are unique characteristics about each one of our souls that he wants us to experience. Just as Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Mary, when he was walking around, he had a temperament and he had a physical body that was unique and had certain strengths and weaknesses that Jesus himself had to learn how they functioned here on this earth. But Jesus was never part of God, just as you and I are never not part of him. We are part of him. There's nothing that's that's not a part of him. Everything is part of him. All creation is part of him. But we he's done this for a reason. And, you know, just again, thinking about his nature, his nature is to give. So I think there's a, an aspect of creation that he created us to receive what he wants to give, to be the recipient of his unconditional love. And 
part of the process of being able to receive that unconditional love is to learn what it's like to not have it. To try to fix things on our own. To try to meet our own needs. To be stressed. To be in pain. To be lost. So that when we are found, when we are healed, when we are freed, we can say thank you. And and that's it. God never asks for payback. Now that I've done this for you, you need to do this for me. That's not love. That's not relationship. That's paying for relationship. And there's another word for that when you pay someone for love. So, when we allow God to be who he is and do what he's doing, what do we do in the meantime? While he is working to restore our soul, again, our mind, our will, and emotions, you know, you don't even know what your soul is really like. You don't even know what you're really like. We're all, each one of us is so far from what our soul is truly like without all the wounds, without all the rejection, without all the the lies that we're believing. This not that and they're not it's not our fault. God doesn't hold it against you that you wounded or that you believe lies. We've inherited a lot, but we've also experienced a lot on our own. But he put us in the circumstances where we are left on our own and we're doing the best we can. And God knows that. He doesn't hold it against us. He doesn't hold anything against us. Anything that he could have held against us was already taken care of at the cross and the resurrection. So now we can come and cooperate with him as he's doing what he's doing. But it's not a matter of our works. It's having received his love, having received who he is. And now learning to live and move and have our being as a spirit being. So that's when we start to turn and go, okay, what am I supposed to be doing during this process? Do I just survive? Do I just sit around and twiddle my thumbs? No, there's things that as he frees our soul, as he reunites our soul with our spirit, our solical abilities will automatically increase. Think of like a window, a really dirty window. It doesn't matter how bright and sunny it is on the other side if the window is so dirty, no light shines through. But then you you just even rub up against it and you, you rub off some of the grime. And all of a sudden you can see out. And you see something you maybe have never seen before on the other side of the glass. But also some of the light shines through. And you see things inside the room on, on your side of the window that you've never seen before because it was dark. So this is what's going on in your soul is God is cleaning that divider between your soul and your spirit little by little. 
So as he reveals things about your soul, about the room you're in, there's an opportunity to respond to what he's shining his light on, what he's revealing about your soul. It's those things that he reveals about your soul were already true. And using our our window analogy, just because the light shines on them, they were already there. Say the light shines on a beautiful rug on your floor. The beautiful rug was already there. You just didn't see it. But then you see it and you go, wow, look at that. That's a beautiful rug. And you start to appreciate the soul God has given you, the room you're living in. It's not you. You are a spirit being. You're already part of God on the other side of the window. So you're, you're on both sides of the window at the same time. But he's the one cleaning the window. Now, part of a, our opportunity, part of our, our experience is, what if it starts to reveal things that in our room that we don't understand? We see things in corners that maybe frighten us. We see things on the, on the ceiling, on the wall, under things that we go, what is that? And sometimes we'd rather just, I don't want to deal with it. And so we put this, we smudge the window back up. We cover the window. We don't want the light to shine in. And God clears another part of the window. God will not be resisted. So one of the areas we can cooperate with God is letting him clean the part of, any part of the window he wants to, and to not be afraid of what he's doing. You know, and, it, and sometimes that's the best we can do is just simply, you know, God, I really don't like what I'm seeing. I'm afraid of it. This isn't what I was thinking we were going to be doing. I don't like changes hard, you know, to, to receive this healing. I don't want to go through the pain again. Whatever it is, whatever hesitation we might have, that is revealed as his light comes in and, and, and shows us what's already going on. It's already there. The wounds are already there. But when the light shines on them, there is healing and change, and change is hard. And sometimes we, we just simply don't want to because our soul wants to be in control. And God made it that way. It's not something to resist something to understand and embrace and see it. Control is like the, your spine in your body. It, it just is. Your spine is neither, you know, pro-God or, or anti-God. It just is. It serves the function God gave it in your body. It's the same way the control is the support system of your soul. It's not anti-God. It's not pro-God. It's doing what God created it to do. Now, sometimes the things it does affect our ability to know God and to receive from him. But that's not a decision 
your soul makes. Your soul doesn't say, well, I'm going to spite God and not let him heal me. No, it's the, your soul's control is simply its own nature, its own characteristic. God, God gave you, again, the soul that he wanted you to have with control as its, one of its main features. So he doesn't hold it against us for the gift he gave us. But he does want us to learn how to appreciate it. And just as we, you know, as our spine, we learn, we learn how to walk. We learn how to run. We learn how to ride a bike. We learn how to canoe. We, ne- we learn how to uh, skydive. We learn how to do a variety of things because our spine gives us support. We don't think about it. And as we spend time with God and he is revealing to us the different aspects of our soul, part of that control starts to fade into the background as well. We start learning about how our own judgment, our good judgment, that's the the part of our will, decision-making, how our emotions can, you know, our emotions give us so much joy as part and enjoyment of this life, and yet they're unreliable for making decisions. We don't make decisions based on how we feel. And then our, there's our mind, and our mind is creative and has an imagination, and very often our mind is not a good basis for making a decision because our mind has its own creativity and its own imagination. And so it's not that we're going to discount our mind, our will, our emotions, it's we understand that they are not the, the spirit. They are not the truth. Your feelings are lying to you. Your mind is lying to you and your, your will is lying to you because none of them are healed. None of them are restored to oneness with spirit. But as that God clears off that window, we start to see, what is it, through a glass darkly? We're seeing out and in. We're seeing out this is who spirit is. This is what God does. This is how he operates. But also that light comes in and shows and reveals what's already going on. And what's already going on is our soul functioning in the supernatural realm. And your soul has power and authority and abilities already. And we start seeing in the corners, and we start seeing these, this power and authority and abilities. And then God says, okay, see how that works. Think of it as musical instruments. There's a tuba in the corner. See what it's like to, to handle a tuba. See if you can play a tuba. There's a tennis racket over there. It, whatever you know, things are in your room that God starts showing light on. And we've talked about the word of knowledge and miracles and and raising from people from the dead. Those are all just things in your room, and God is showing and revealing what's already in there. It's already part of your soul. It doesn't mean you've got a better room than someone else or that someone has a better room than you. It's your room. It's your soul. Everybody has a soul. And every soul has a mind, will, and emotions. There's going to be a uniqueness just like, you know, for a physical body. We all have 
a lot of similarities and a lot of differences. And we can appreciate both. But they're both all gifts from God. Your soul is a gift from Him. What's in your room is a gift from Him. Your abilities came with your room. They're in your room. You don't have to ask for them. But God's revealing to you. This is what I want you to be learning. I want you to learn how to play the tuba. Maybe there's, you know, um, some books on history that you're interested in in pursuing. Who know, Whatever it is in your room that he's shining his light on, he's drawing your interest to, go with it. And part of those things in your room are those abilities we've talked about. But your room is, like in your physical room, is part of the natural realm. Your soulical room, your mind, will, and emotions, are part of the supernatural realm. So we all, all learned how to be comfortable and function in the natural realm. Now we're, God's, as he's restoring your soul, he's drawing us, desiring us to learn how to function in the supernatural realm. So think about your comfort level in the natural realm. Hopefully you're quite comfortable breathing and, and smelling and hearing, using all your senses on a day-to-day basis, you know, moment by moment. I think that's where we're heading in the supernatural realm, to be as not just aware, but fully functioning in our soul. That's, that's with the window completely clean. And then we could even say, okay, at some point in time, does God just snap his finger and there's no glass there? There's no window there. We're completely joined, spirit, soul, and body. There's nothing between our soul and our spirit. And we are united. We are one, spirit, soul, and body, fully in him. But I think we have a long way to go. I think there's a lot of, of window glass cleaning that needs to, be, needs to happen. Now, God can do it, you know, again, in the snap of his fingers. He, he doesn't need, in the twinkling of an eye, he doesn't need any time at all. He's created it all. He can invent it and be done with it for everybody. He can reveal himself and, and, and do whatever he wants. But I think the process is important to him. The more we are aware of his desire and his intent, which is to give us everything he is and has unconditionally. And he is simply making us able to receive it unconditionally. And he's doing it incrementally so we will appreciate it and get to know him, and get to know his ways. And again, learn how the supernatural realm works. Why is that important? Well, I think because there's things through the process, again, that makes us more able to receive from him. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our help in this time zone. He doesn't, won't need our help in the next thing. But he does want us to be one with him. So it's not that we're going to be helping him to do anything, but we're going to be doing it 
in him and with him. Not for him and alongside, but in him. That comes from experience. That comes from trial and error. Now, again, we talked about this before, but how many, you know, Jesus didn't just go, okay, I'm going to raise Lazarus. I think he probably had been practicing for quite some time. Practicing, maybe he started on a, you know, an animal that had died. You know, a neighbor's, you know, a friend's pet rabbit, for instance. He's just started practicing. And anything he just, you know, would pursue the direction that his father would send him in and he would pursue it because he had perfect trust in his father. Because his soul, there was no grime on that window. There was always, he could always receive unconditionally whatever his father had for him. But it still was going through his soul and into his body. That healing power, that power and authority to raise the dead still went through his soul and through his body. And that's our, at least, uh, you know, one perspective, one aspect of our purpose and our goal. This is what it looks like. Jesus walking around showing this is what being one in God looks like. Now, we could go the opposite direction and go, okay, you know, he didn't have everything easy. What he, he turned the world upside down because his father could show himself through his son. So the end result is not necessarily going to be make things easy, but we also will know God and we will know ourselves and be one with him. So we're going to continue to to flesh this out, to see what it is that God wants from our soul, wants for us to learn in the supernatural realm, and hopefully in the process you're still doing the, the homework and, and spending time and seeing, you know, God, teach me about the supernatural realm. Teach me about, you know, the new illustration we're using now. Teach me what's in my room. And then when he shows you, when he shines light on it, don't focus on the little clean space on the window. Focus on what is that light shining on. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, this has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.